Hello and welcome back to the Move and Inspire podcast with me, Sophie Deer, where I chat to inspiring thinkers and leaders who will empower people like you and me to live a healthier and happier life. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Move and Inspire podcast. I'm super excited to have Sal, Celeste Pereira, how do I say that again? (laughs) Celeste Pereira. Do you know what? Basically, you've summed up my whole childhood. (laughs) I was like, how do I say this name? How do I write this name? (laughs) So yeah, in English, we say Pereira, and in Portuguese, it would sound better. It would be Pereira. (laughs) Ah, nice. Very funky. Okay, so Celeste Pereira. Um, And Celeste is not only my incredible yoga teacher, but she's been my mentor and friend for the last few years. And Sal has had a really huge impact on my life and I would say is just one of the most inspirational people I've ever met. So Sal, welcome. Oh, thanks Soph. I did not expect that intro. (laughs) That's really cool. Thanks, mate. I um I was thinking about how when I talk about like the the people who really inspire me I've done like a lot of work on that this last year because I've been doing stuff on my like core values and you always have to write down um like three people who inspire you and you're you always come up as one of mine so it's like wow. yeah it's really nice to reflect on that actually I really love doing that that's a really ma- so, good exercise. I need to do this as well. I think that that can be such a game changer for people to actually have a clear image of who they should be looking to for when they need guidance. Like, you know, because we all have funks where we kind of drop into a low mode within ourselves and we're not sure if we're being effective. But if you can have someone that you look at and be like, what are they doing right now? And can I just sort of walk in their footsteps? I think that can be really helpful. So I'm definitely going to I'm going to take a page out of your book, so. And I'm Aww. super inspired by what you're doing as well, you know, because you had quite a dramatic life change and you've totally made your life a million times better in spite of huge challenge. And I'm just like, wow, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Oh, thanks, Sal. That means a lot. <laughs> I really think awesome. also just going back to, to doing that as an exercise, it's funny because you're – like I was like oh yeah Cell really inspires me but actually getting like pen to paper and working out exactly why someone inspires you because then what that does is it allows you to have these um these points that you can put into your life about what you want to bring in you know because you can look up to anyone and be like yeah they're great but if you don't know like the exact reasons why and like delve into it you can't then like take that on board so that you can make changes to your life so yeah, it's a really you know, what you're exercise. describing is really work. And I think this is what sometimes people don't realize is that actually to be super effective, you do have to put in the time, you do have to put in the work, you have to give of yourself. I mean, it wasn't probably an easy process sitting down and making your brain sweat out all of these answers. Um, so yeah, well done for just carving out the time and actually sitting down and dedicating to doing something that can move you forward in the direction you want to go in. Yeah, it's it's definitely um, something I've really focused on, like this last year, especially as you said, I had some big changes, so it was good to get that pen to paper. <laughs> well done, so for amazing. But I would love you to basically just introduce yourself and um, tell us a little bit about your background and how you've got to where you are now. Oh man. Um, okay, so. My name is Celeste. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Uh, Sophie, let me know when I talk too fast. I just recently um, listened to two podcasts I did and I was on mega mode and I went so quick and I was like, wow, these poor listeners. So just like, you know, just put your hands up every time I'm going on mega cell mode. Um, so I've always been a hyperactive person. It's really something I've worked on, which <laughs> probably isn't working out very well for me listening back to those last two podcasts. Um, and And I always just love to move. I've always been fascinated with the human body since I was very, very small. Um, I remember my dad was always very ill as I was growing up. And I remember finding this book on reflexology in my mom's library. And I would literally flick through the pages every single day. And I'd force my dad to lie down and I would inflict excruciating pain on him (laughs) because bless him, he had a 
really sensitized swollen joints and I thought that reflexology would save him so I would look at all the pictures and I'd squeeze his poor feet blue every single night <laughs> and I just always had this vision in my mind that I I had the power to help people through their bodies like I just always knew that that was something for me um, but I always struggled academically at school and so I really found solace in being able to move and and the thing that I found as a child was I was very floppy. I didn't know it was hypermobile at the time. So I just, although I really wanted to run fast, obviously I was always very last in line um, at not only all of the athletics um, uh, races that I ran, but even being picked for the hockey team, that was never going to happen. <laughs> and it was so sad because I wanted it so bad. <laughs> um and then I found dancing and I realized that, okay, dancing, actually, I didn't have to be the fastest. I just had to be, you know, I had to be on the beat, which I loved. I loved music so much. I had to be flexible. I was already flexible. I was like, okay, I'm ticking a few boxes in these categories. And so I just threw myself into dancing and I just absolutely loved it. Um, and always had this vision of going to England and, you know, becoming a professional dancer. And I actually managed to convince my family to do this. So we ended up moving to England when I was uh, six, 17. And um, I thought that this was where I was going to start my dance career. But what I quickly realized being in England was uh, I did go on a couple of auditions. And I realized that the caliber of the dancers in a country like England were far higher than the little, you know, modern and ballet dance classes that I had taken in a small town in Richards Bay. And so um, that was kind of a bit of a knock for me because I thought that that would be my life. But in the end, um, I decided to go traveling and I, I really dug deep while I was there. And I, I realized that actually my real passion was the body and that maybe becoming a physio would be good. But when I looked into that, I realized you had to be really academic. And I had dropped out of school at 16. So that was another challenge. I'd been working in McDonald's. My dad very kindly had paid for me to go into a little dance college. Bless him. Um, but again, there, I just realized, wow, I was way behind the other dancers. Um, and so I got a job working in a gym um, as a gym instructor <laughs> and actually quite enjoyed that but the pay was super low and, and I was just feeling I just hated the shift work and a friend of mine there said oh you know you love the body and I, she was a physio she was like why don't you just go to physio school and I was like no I can't I dropped out of school I can't she was like look find a way and those words I think have inspired me to this day and I did find a way I did get through physio school I ended up um, traveling again and realized that um, I really wanted to, tr sorry, I was traveling. I really wanted to be a physio. I came back. I applied for work, didn't get any physio work. And just for spare money, I started teaching yoga. And the rest is history. I kept just teaching yoga. <laughs> sorry, that was really long-winded. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Didn't you have like a sneaky way that you got into university as well? Yes, I was a bit sneaky. I, ha I had to present my marks from when I had left school and they were really bad. I mean, they were like beyond F. Uh, they were in the, they were in the like, uh, they were in that G's. <laughs> if there was such a grade, that would be my grade G. <laughs> but um, in the end, I decided I did an interview and I did, uh, sorry, I went to a, a access to science course, which gave me A-level equivalent. Um, and I worked really, really hard and I did really well in those. And I also went into interview mode for um, the universities. Um, but I had to present those marks. And I realized that presenting those marks would potentially mean I couldn't get in. So what I did was I went on Photoshop and I Photoshopped really good grades <laughs> for this thing. And then I ended up getting into university. But in a way, I realized why they made it so difficult to get into physio school, because it is full on. I had several meltdowns because I was not ready. And I remember being so stressed out in university that I believe that if I didn't work every single second that I was given in waking hours, I would not get through that university degree. So I remember in preparation for one of the most challenging periods, I just didn't leave my room 
for days. I would go downstairs to get food and go straight back up. And I remember actually walking out of my house after days of just being in the hole. And I'm being like, wow, the outside world. <laughs> but yeah, it was just a lot of hard work, but I managed to get through it. And it, and it taught me that anything is possible. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think that whole thing about having good grades from school and, and how that translates into later life is so interesting because actually, like, I would say you're one of the most intelligent people I know, like the wealth of knowledge you have around the body. And and also you've you've struggled with um, some of the learning in terms of like you come up with awesome names to remember because you struggle to remember them easily. And um, so I think actually it's like such a cool demonstration of the fact that you don't need amazing grades from school to make it like, as you said, find a way. Yeah, just find a way. If there's something you really want to do, you just have to persevere and find the way. And I guess, um, yeah, just being being in university surrounded by these other very intelligent people that that also pushes you you know so so sometimes where you come from you know that isn't going to be the indicative answer of where you're going but you have to surround yourself in a new environment and it has to be you have to be a fish out of water and people are so afraid of being a fish out of water and being made to look stupid in front of other people or you know being made to look wrong or i think you have to put yourself in those situations willingly and um, from that, so much can happen. Yeah, and that translates so much into teaching yoga, right? Like when you start, there are times where yeah. you you fluff, you do the left hand side twice, you you know you do mess <laughs> up, and you just have to like pick yourself back up and do it again and and again and again and again, and then you get the experience where you do start to it just becomes natural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is one of the beautiful things about teaching is that you do have to just. You, you almost leave some classes being like oh my god that was the most embarrassing experience of my whole life because it was that bad you know it was bad everyone's look on their faces the way they just stormed out of class quickly so they didn't have to say thank you you know you know and then you're sitting on the tube on the way home and you're like oh I wish the earth will just open and swallow me whole <laughs> save me from myself and then you know you're on your way to the next class and you've got to deliver again so, yeah, that's happened loads for me. I was not a natural. Yeah, and I think it's super important to, like, remind um, newer yoga teachers that that is so normal that you are going to go through that. I think people f feel like they have to be this expert and perfect as soon as they start teaching, but that's just not realistic at all. Not at all. So... um one of the reasons I love you so much is that your approach to yoga is is different. And um, I'd love you to talk a little bit about that and why you think your approach is kind of um, so important and relevant right now in like the lives that we lead right now. Yeah, I guess, you know, my approach to yoga is, and, you know, rightly so, a lot of people are saying what Celeste is doing isn't yoga and I understand where they're coming from. I'm not teaching the philosophy of yoga. I'm not embracing the classical poses of yoga. So how can we still call it yoga? And to be honest with you, I do use that term very loosely. I, I started off very yoga, very like using the chanting, using the mudras, using the exact poses, the Sanskrit. I was super into it. And I found in my own body, I just was so injured all the time. And I guess knowing all that additional stuff and really kind of following it wasn't really making a shift in me the way I needed to just engage with the real world. And so I did start to change the style of the books I was reading and change the way I was moving and apply more of my physio stuff in and I sat down with other physios and I asked them, why am I always injured? You know, even though I'm a qualified physio and I'm doing yoga at such a high level, why is my body always so broken? And then they, they were like, because you're hypermobile, you idiot. <laughs> you know, being a little graduate, you don't really know much. And I, was, I slowly started putting pieces of the puzzle together. And I just realized that maybe the way things were being done wasn't right for everyone. And potentially we had to give people more options. So if you are super into Ashtanga and you're loving it and it's doing something for you, fantastic, you keep doing that. But if you're more like me and maybe you're not actually 
enjoying the process, but you realize that there's something there, maybe it was time to be a bit more open-minded about the definition of yoga. And so what I have done is I've I started realizing my stability muscles were really important. I wanted to educate people on the power of their glutes and serratus interior, their deep neck flexors. I wanted to teach them about variety of movement and how we shouldn't be doing the same poses in a linear fashion all the time. That the style of breathing through the ujjayi was potentially damaging and that maybe for some people it wasn't the right way for them to be breathing. Um, that maybe learning about ancient yogic texts wasn't serving them in their relationships with their partner. And, and that's why I started kind of, I say I've broadened the definition of yoga to, to really uh, be a living art form that can be something that you personally adapt into. And I took inspiration from the Buddhist tradition where there are so many forms of meditation and, you know, the, my favorite meditation um, people out there, I won't call them my teachers, uh, because I never met them personally, but they have taught me, is they always are like, you know, find the style that works for you. And I felt that in yoga and I was like, okay, maybe we can change. Uh, because also, that, sorry, just to digress slightly, when we look at practices like Ashtanga, they aren't as old as people think. They're very young. They, they're barely 100 years old. And they were also just created by people. Where they probably have a bit more um, of a leg to stand on is they were created as in, uh, they were created by Indian people and yoga is an Indian tradition. And suppose someone like me coming along saying, oh, I want to I want to broaden the definition it will take be taken as a cultural appropriation. So I understand that there's so many layers, uh, deeper layers that I have to consider and that possibly what I'm doing is offensive to to lots of people. But at the same time, I realize that I've helped so many other people. So I, I, I move forward. And it's scary to move forward because I realize that I am, you know, potentially doing and saying things that could be harmful to, to, to the culture. And I don't want that. You know, I, I feel, you know, in great awe and respect of the world of yoga. But I also see that so many people have done it. Their little Western bodies have tried to fit into the uh, how some of the Indian bodies have moved and it's not been appropriate. So... Do we just drop yoga altogether in the Western culture or do we mold it? I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. And I'm sure I'm making a lot of mistakes along the way. But hopefully <laughs> in my little journey, someone is taking some benefit from it. Oh, wow. So, so many people are for sure. And um, I think one of the things that you have um, taught me in terms of my teaching, actually probably one of the most important things is like really understanding the intention behind what you're teaching because I feel like when we do our 200 hours, it's you're just like skimming the surface and so you get taught how to teach a set of postures, maybe how to sequence and that's kind of it in a way. So then you just start teaching but you don't really know why you're teaching this. Like to an extent, you know, this is going to activate this muscle, this is going to open up this. But what I loved about you, it was like you you challenged, like, but why do you want to open that muscle up? Why do you want to open up the hamstrings when th that's the most injured muscle in yoga? Should we be finding strength in our hamstrings instead? And so I think, like, getting behind the intention of why you're doing what you're doing is, like, such a good starting point. Yeah, and you know, just to kind of come back to the example of Ashtanga, if your intention is, I just freaking love it, then that's a great intention. That is actually, you know, I would say top draw intentions going happening there. So embrace that. Um, and and if you're embracing that to the level where your body is very broken, maybe just, again, broaden your definition of what that could look like, you know, because you shouldn't be injured as a young person on the yoga mat. You know, you shouldn't be injured all the time and you shouldn't be living in pain all the time. And that's not because you should be afraid of injury. You know, injury is a normal part of life. And if you're moving your body, you'll probably get injured. That's okay. Pain is a normal part of life. We should embrace pain and we should use it as a tool to learn. Um, but it, it is that it is a tool and it is, uh, you know, your body telling you that maybe something isn't quite right for you. And, and that's why, when I look at practices like Ashtanga, um, it is a very young practice, as I mentioned. And also, I feel like it was created with the intention of 
making something replicable because then it's very easy to define as a style. So when we look at how to set up a franchise, it's the same model. We always have a manual that we'll pass on to every new franchise owner to have the exact same logo, the exact same interior design, the, 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 the language that the uh, employees will use is the same. And that is how you create something that is a franchise. But if we're going to create a yoga style and we're going to force everybody's bodies into the same poses in the same exact linear fashion, the same sequence, you're dealing with something that's a lot deeper now because human bodies are not the same and they need very different approaches. So this is where I think, again, we need to be a little bit more open-minded in the way we approach yoga. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think you're doing like an amazing job of, of um, inspiring teachers to just look a little bit deeper. And as you said, you're not saying anything's right or wrong, but it's just like just having a real think about um, what they're doing and why they're teaching it. Um, what do you, how do you feel about, because I know obviously with, with some of the stuff you say, you do get some criticism. How do you deal with that? And has that got easier over time or is it still tough? Um, I'm a funny one. I mean, I was on the Instagram live the other day and I was, I was talking about yoga the way I am now and in huge letters, someone wrote appropriation, <laughs> cultural appropriation, like as if they were screaming it. And to be honest with you, it, for me, and maybe it's bad that I do this. I realize that, you know, that should be a warning signal and maybe I should be adapting to have more respect to people who are saying that. It was like water off a duck's back. I was like, I can't please everyone. I'm doing me. I know that I know I'm helping people. So there has to be something good in there. And maybe I need to just focus on the good. And so I'm really good at just doing that. I just focus on what's happening. That's positive. I'm like, I just before our interview started, read two emails from people that were like, thank you so much. I did your class last night. And honestly, I was having the worst time. And now I just feel like a million dollars. And I'm like on the edge of tears, like so grateful for their messages that have come through. Do I just abandon all of that positivity and focus on the negativity and completely change what I'm doing? It's, you're just never going to please everyone. There's always going to be someone that's going to say something. It actually reminds me of a quote from Dita Von Tees. She said, you could be the juiciest, ripest, most delicious peach in the basket. And someone out there doesn't like peaches. So true. So, so true. And I think yeah. as putting yourself out there as a teacher, you're always going to come up against some kind of, you know, criticism or, um, yeah, people aren't necessarily going to like your style and... Uh, and again, I think that's all uh, it's for me, it's been experience. I remember having criticism when I first started and I took it so to heart and I would be yeah, really upset and feel like I was doing the wrong thing. And now um, I remember doing I did a an Instagram live right at the beginning of lockdown last year for Deliciously Ella. And there were like thousands of people on there. And at the end, um, you know how they save to, to your Instagram. So I like flipped through um, just to see um, some of the comments. And one of them was like, this doesn't sound like a yoga teacher. Her voice isn't very yoga teacher-esque. It's, it sounds like um, uh, a PT or something like that. She was basically saying that I was, uh, the way I was speaking was, was not yogic enough. And um, I remember just laughing, but it was really cool because I remember thinking, oh, wow, a few years ago, I would have probably gone off and had a little cry about that. But I just I just thought it just made me laugh, you know? Yeah, I mean, first of all, you've just described how the one of the... Everyone gets scared of getting older, but, I mean, getting older is great because of what you've just described. And also, something that I always remember is that usually that's a sign that something's up with them. And I just thought that to myself. I got the cultural appropriation comment, and I was like... You know, I had to like sit back and I had to really think and I had to be like, okay, I mean, what am I going to do? How am I going to respond to that? And I just thought, well, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. I'm probably making a lot of mistakes and will continue doing so, whether or not I, I give in to that kind of comment. Um, and yeah, that's life. You're going to have people that don't like what you're doing. 
you know you just you just can't please everyone so yeah I think I think just kind of being a little older a little wiser and realizing that that person might have stuff going on in them that they need to work on as well so that's cool (laughs) yeah and I think also it's a really good lesson to um another thing that you've definitely um taught me about just basically just being yourself because because then the people who really love you are really really seeing you for you and if people don't love it then that's okay and like one of the things that really stuck with me was when you said that you love walking into your um classes at trioga um which i used to come to um when i was in london when you were teaching them and um and everyone would be like buzzing and saying hi and being fun and like very different to some yoga classes where everyone's like in a seated meditation completely quiet as the teacher walks in and you just saying how like um how that was have i lost you sal yeah you're back now i've just texted you Ah. babe you froze froze. (laughs) i love that where did um, where did we get to did i say you were um, just saying about the whole thing of you know you just got to do your thing yeah yeah you just got to be authentic you got to be yourself and and actually like if you listen to all those negative people you would change who you are which is I think a really really bad really shame uh real big shame because who you are is so amazing and and so special and and then still no one's gonna like you because still someone's going to go, oh, sorry, that's not enough. That's too this, that's too that. And then you're going to change again and again and again. You're going to be a lost little fish in a very big sea. Whereas if you're just on your little path and you're like, yeah, this is me. I'm doing my thing. And people, are gonna, people aren't going to like it. That's the thing. You're going to get really, really harsh criticism along the way. And it's going to hurt. And then you just, what are you going to do? You're going to change every time? It's too much work <laughs> to, to not be yourself is not sustainable. Totally. It gets completely exhausting. And I think, um, yeah, you are such a good uh, inspiration for so many teachers and students for that. Just like uh, I I think I wrote it down in my my little core values thing was that you're just unapologetically you. And it's such a breath of fresh air for sure. Thanks, Sophie. Okay, I want to ask you about, and it's funny because I saw something on your Instagram the other day. So I think I think I might now know your answer. But what creative output do you have that's just for you? Not, not in terms of that it's going to um, bring any sense of like necessarily achievement, but just literally doing it for the pure joy of it. So I have really enjoyed, I, I started in November, I started picking up my guitar again after many years of setting it down. And that I have to say has been really, really good fun but I'll, I'd be lying if I said I didn't get a sense of achievement from it because every time I get something a little bit better, I'm like, <laughs> I get really happy. Um, but I mean, I don't do it for that. I just do it for the sheer joy of it because it really is super fun. Um, and I know that it's so good for me as well because it's got absolutely no relationship to work in any way, shape or form. And also the important thing for me right now is work is I'm being spent I'm spending such huge amounts of time on my devices so to be engaging in something that's just oh very real world you know very hands uh brain sound it's super special and really good for me I love that because that's that's my answer as well my guitar is like my little respite and I totally get what you mean about the sense of achievement for yourself but it's like it's not it's not for anyone else it's just like your your special little thing yeah, and I know I'll never play for people because I'm starting so late in my life. There's no way I'll ever be good enough to be a performer with it. And also, I have a terrible singing voice, but I love sitting on my bed at night and belting out a super off-key tune and, like, strumming away. Like it's just, I mean, always when Dan walks past, he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> there she goes again. <laughs> there she's go. Oh, she's off. But, you know, I just absolutely love it. It's just for me, it's like however long I have, whether it's half an hour or 10 minutes, it's just a little bit of me time. And it's just, like I said, it's just so good for me in so many levels. And I'm so happy that I get to do it. And I think um, kind of on a similar thread, I really struggle with um, 
creating that separation between like my work and life because I and I think a lot of um, people where your business is yourself uh, can relate but even when I'm like right I'm gonna go have me time and I'm gonna go like walk along the beach and listen to a podcast and I'll listen to that podcast and I'm like right I've now got my theme for next week for my meditation for my newsletter for my class and that and then I'm like why can't I just listen to this and enjoy it and take it on for me instead of always like coming up but yeah it's at the same time I do love that what I'm what I really enjoy I'm putting out to the world as well it's like a real privilege to have that but it does just make those boundaries like between work and life quite hard so I think it's so important to have something like the guitar or like dancing or whatever it is to just be truly yours and not necessarily for anyone else yeah, and it's so hard when you have your own business, um, like you said, to make that distinction. It's And that's something I really struggle with as well. Um, and it's probably the reason I didn't pick up my guitar for so many years is because I really felt like I need to dedicate every waking minute, a bit like the university mindset that I was in. If I'm not dedicating every single waking minute to my business, I'm not going to succeed. Um, and it's just not true. But it's a very, very difficult. It's very difficult for me to step out of that. I think I, I still have these self-doubts that I'm still slowly overcoming and and one of because I had such uh hard-working parents I think in my mind I've always seen them work hard and I believe that if I don't work hard I'm not going to be successful and it's just not true you know it's a self-limiting belief um so yeah it's we're 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 trying <laughs> we're all on the journey I suppose trying to figure this shit out <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's going to take some time for, um, I suppose, like our generation, I think. Um, and, well, f for me, maybe it's more about, like, living in London because there's definitely a different vibe in Bali. But, like, that, just that kind of rat race, we've all got to be... Like, being busy is, like, being important, right? And so when um, someone like you who can be a role model to people to actually say, no, we don't have to work this hard to still be successful and still have a fantastic life. Like, um, your work doesn't have to be your sole identity. It doesn't mean that you're um, a really great person if you're an insanely successful. I feel like a lot of those beliefs need to be gotten rid of. Yeah, for sure. There's so much more to life and there's so many ways to do life. You know, and you've figured that out, you know, moving to Bali. Um, so, yeah, we just have to be a, we have to like broadening the definition of yoga. I think we need to broaden the definition of what success looks like and even intelligence, because just going back to my story, I always believed I wasn't clever. But I think it's the way we measure intelligence is really to create a powerful workforce that can ultimately make big corporations more money. Um, because if someone is super intelligent about living in harmony with nature and then they had to take an IQ test, they'd probably score quite low on the IQ test. But if you had to take someone who's maybe scoring high on an IQ test and put them to live in the forest, they'd be dead in a day, you know? So I think our definition of intelligence is also, like, I just think people love a label and they love putting boundaries on that label. And I think it's, it's um, limiting, very, very limiting. And we do need to open up the way we look at movement, the way we look at um, intelligence and success. If we can just broaden those definitions a bit more, I think it's going to leave a lot more room for, for happiness. Totally. And just like, just even um, being more open to other people's opinions and just having a more open mindset. I feel like that is, it's hard for a lot of people. Yeah, For sure. it is hard. It is hard because we grow up with very clear ideas of what is right and wrong. And especially part of that is religion. You know, religion has been kind of in the background of our lives always. And, and religion has got these very stern ideas of what is right and wrong and all this punishment that comes along with, you know, doing the wrong thing. And, and I think slowly things are starting to change, but it's going to be a long road. <laughs> For sure. In terms of just going back to like you talking about um, uh, like limited beliefs, and I know that like you're one of yours, and I've, I like it always shocks me, but like you're, you're one of yours is like I'm not good enough. And 
to everyone else were like, she's smashing it, she's doing so well. And I feel like, again, it's awesome that you talk about that because it's it's being real and it's showing people that everyone suffers with this no matter how well you're doing. We all have that inner critic. But what what do you do to try and, like... What do you do, A, when that inner critic rears its head? And do you also have, like, daily practices that have helped you um, with that inner critic in general? You know, it's... I wish I could be a little bit more eloquent and give you really concrete tools for your listeners but to be honest with you it's it is just one of those things you feel it you realize it's there and you just keep on going you know because the what I've realized I've had this my whole entire life it doesn't go away the more successful you become that's the funny thing you know, it doesn't disappear. Like you constantly questioning yourself like, oh, you know, and, but in a way, that's a good thing. It's good that you question yourself because you're just a person, you're a human being. And it gives you that level of humility. Like, yeah, sometimes you look at what people are doing. You're like, come on, man, that you could have done better. And that's okay too. But, but also just to realize that we're all just on this path. We're all human. We're all struggling with things. That's a really, really beautiful mind space to be in because I have met incredibly narcissistic people that believe that what they do is so good and they're so perfect and, you know, they've got no room for self-doubt and they're just assholes, to be honest with you. I just don't want to, don't want to be associated with those people. So having a bit of like, huh, I wonder if I do have something to work on and, oh, I wonder if that was the right thing to say and shit, maybe I should change the X, Y, and Z. That's good. You know, we should have that. Um, I think the important thing, though, and this, I think, is a concrete uh, takeaway, is don't let that hold you back from doing what you want to do. Yes, you're going to have self-doubt. You're going to question yourself. But then don't lie in bed paralyzed by that fear. You know, yeah, people aren't going to like you. That's okay. And you're going to make mistakes. That's okay, too. But you have to keep moving forward. And if you let it stop you, well, then shame on you. Because we are, you know, I always use the example of women. As women, we, especially living in the Western world, we have so much opportunity and freedom. Think of all those intelligent, beautiful, like ridiculously talented women that are locked in a cupboard somewhere because they're a woman. They're forced into a marriage at a young age. They have to bear children their entire life. That's their only That's what they have to do. They have no choice. So if you are a woman that has opportunity and you're letting your fear paralyze you, I just think shame on you (laughs) because, you know, come on, you can do you can do better. You can overcome your fear by just putting shit out there, putting your best. Your best is all you can give. Put your best work out there and whatever happens off the back of that happens. Yeah. And I love what you said about like. Um, even as time goes on, you still have it. Like, we still have fear no matter... Any, like, new offering that I put out there, I'm like, is anyone going to turn up? You know, that moment when you, like, click onto your Zoom and I look at the waiting room and I'm like, oh, my God, what if no one turns up? And I still have it. You know, four years into teaching. Every day. Oh, it doesn't go away, guys. If you... And I actually say this, with absolutely no credentials. So please take this with a pinch of salt. But I believe if you have a healthy mind, you will question yourself. It's okay. (laughs) But just please don't let it stop you. And also healthy questioning is great because then you learn from things and you can put out a better offering or, um, yeah, it's just awareness, right? Awareness to keep changing, keep growing, keep learning. Like we're as teachers, we're constantly learning all the time. We just have to keep being aware, like you said, and molding with whatever comes our way. And I think another really um, interesting thing that I listened to on a podcast that you did, can't remember who with now, but, um, and this is in, in relation to the fact that sometimes we might think something, but it's not what other people see. So you were talking about um, how you see Shona Virtue's videos as like amazing. And she is, she's like fantastic. And she just looks so brilliant. And she's funny. Like she's, she comes up with such quirky original ideas and she's fantastic. Oh, she is the top of the top. She's amazing. <laughs> For me. 
But then you talk about you and you're like, you're saying how you look at her and you worry that your videos aren't very good and that you're not, um, I can't remember how you put it, like, like, um, quick on camera or like, you know what? She's in, she's very, very, very intelligent. You can tell that this girl is very, very intelligent and, uh, she's almost a bit bored <laughs> by the rest of the world because she's so brilliant and, and things on just, you know, yeah. I don't know if that's really how she feels, but it's almost like her banter is just so on another level. I am not quick like that. I, I, I'm not quick off the mark. I know that about my personality. It's okay. I'm, I, I accept that about myself. But yeah, sometimes I am just like, man, <laughs> I just don't have that that quick reaction force, you know? So, so I have to do my stories a few times and I have to be like, oh, it's so boring. Sometimes I'm just like, hi guys. Hi, yeah, today we are gonna, you know, come to my class, swipe up. It's so like bland. And she just does this amazing she does artwork, I believe, on her social media to to get people to buy into what she into her message. And I just think, yeah, we can learn so much from Shona Virtue in how brilliant she puts across information. And to be fair to her, like I um I always look to outside sources for inspiration. And I used to follow these influencers who were like, I'm just so excited. You know, I've got this new thing coming up. And I still sometimes refer, revert back to that. But but she really inspired me not to do the, the regular old influencer boring stuff, but to really just put a bit of thought into what you're going to do and how you're going to put it across. Um, and so, yeah, big respect. <laughs> But it's funny because I look at yours and I just think your videos are just as brilliant as hers. Like, I think I screenshotted one of yours and sent it to you the other day being like, I just cried with laughter because they are just brilliant. <laughs> you goofing around. So, that means and... a lot. <laughs> do you know, actually, I just do a little sidestep here and say that actually being in a relationship with Dan has really helped me because I think some of the past relationships that I've been in, they really made me question myself um a lot more than I already do and Dan is a very um what's the right word he's for someone who's very masculine incredibly intuitive which I know is more of a female um strength um he's super intuitive and he just says what he sees he doesn't mince his words at all and he was like you're really good at physical humor you should use your body more like when you're making jokes and stuff I'm like am I am I good at that like he would just call out what he thinks is good you're really good at explaining things. You should explain things more. Like, And someone who's so bluntly honest will tell me if something's crap as well, but it will always tell me the good stuff. Um, that really inspired me to really just be more me. Um, so, yeah, if you can find someone who can just ignite that unis, if that's a word, <laughs> you, you, just to be you so, so much and to really put a magnifying glass on what's good. You know, I think that that really helps as well. It really inspired me a lot to be more me. I think that's such an important point. Like I, I um, have really realized how important it is for me to have cheerleaders around me. Like, no, I'm not saying like I want my ego massage but just like to have people around me who are like yeah you're doing so well at that or like have you thought about doing this or and I feel like you know you're a cheerleader to me and uh, so many of my close circle because they say that you're like a product of the five people you spend the most time with right so like having those people who yeah celebrate you for you it's so important I know you've got an amazing um circle of friends uh, who and uh, do you feel like they do that for you Oh my goodness. I don't know where I would be without these incredible people. I'm so lucky. I often just look at them like with a little tear in my eye and be like, I don't know how I got so lucky to have such cool people in my life. Um, yeah. I mean, to surround yourself with good people, I think is everything. And to really be quite intelligent at picking out you know, how, how am I feeling around certain people? And do I want to feel this way? And what was said? And, you know, how, how am I reacting to the world based off time spent with these people? I just think of my one friend in particular, she's the kindest person you'll ever meet in your life. And I really believe that being her friend made me a better person because I'm an incredibly reactive person and not always 
I don't always do it in the right way. Sometimes I'm like, why did you say that? You know, <laughs> and she just always sees things from the other person's perspective. And it really taught me spending more time with her to do that more and more. Um, and she's so happy for it, you know, and I want that happiness in my life and I don't want to have bitterness and, and carry resentment and being her friend has made, brought more of that out in me. So yeah, it's surround yourself with people, not just who are, because I think sometimes what you've just said, the, the, the five friends thing, it's usually used in relation to success. And I, again, I want to broaden that definition and, and think of it more in terms of who, who you want to become on a deeper level than just how much money you have in your bank account, but actually how you treat people and how you react to difficult circumstances and how much fun you can have and how much you can let your hair down and not care what people are thinking of you. What cool qualities, how much more fun are you going to have in your life and how much more happiness so, yeah, going just back to that broadening of the definition, I think that that five people's thing needs to, again, we need to edge it outwards a little Get more. Get a bit wider. Yeah. Yeah. Two, two of your um, great friends who I know through through the, well, actually through your classes, um, Kim and Belinda, like just a bit before I left London, I started to get closer and closer to them. And, wow, for me like having really great yoga teacher friends really really supporting me in not just what I was doing in work but like personally and moving to Bali and they've been in touch with me a lot when I've been you know being out here and they've just been such a support to me and it shows that like you don't have to have your friends from like years and years ago but like yeah those two girls have been such an amazing um little addition to my life and I feel like they're exceptional individuals they are just oh yeah I just I would just bask in their greatness when I'm around them I just I just absolutely love them Belinda was the person I was referring to when I was talking about the honestly the kindest person you have ever met in your life and yeah Kim is an absolute star I know you interviewed Sarah I listened to that interview what a beautiful interview you had I mean that chick, 10 out of 10. I mean, the list goes on. I'm so lucky. I've got really, really cool friends. Um, and I just, the support and the level of unconditional love, it's just insane. It also reminds me of um, a quote that you said. I think, it's, I think it's Shona's quote. You said it in the retreat I came on, the teacher's retreat in Portugal. Can you say, do you, do you know the quote I'm talking about, about... Um, uh, female company. Um, oh, yes. Old, uh, um, oh, I'm going to mess it up. I always mess up quotes on podcasts, <laughs> but it's something like, um, the, I know what you what you're saying. Female relationships. We were often taught to be jealous of each other, but that was almost done in a way to hold us back. We were taught that we had to be jealous of each other. But that was done in a sly way to hold us back from truly being everything we can be. Because the real truth is we all have each other's back and we're happy for each other when we're doing well. And seeing success in one another inspires us to even be greater. Totally. Yeah, I think female, female, my female friends, I just absolutely adore every single one of them and seeing them do well and how beautiful they are inside and out and every little bit of goodness that happens in their life actually makes me so happy within me and I want more of that for them and, and for all my fellow females out there that's so lovely <laughs> okay so I have a few more questions I wanted to ask you about um slightly going back to what we were talking about before finding it hard to like separate work from life but I wanted to ask you about boundaries whether you think you're good at um saying no to things there's I mean there's so many things within boundaries but like in general what's your relationship I guess I'm with getting them? better I used to say yes to absolutely everything and now to be honest with you I know it's really rude but I just delete the emails when I get a lot of requests because even taking the time to answer every request that comes my way is is again just time I, I just very naughtily just press the delete button um so yeah I'm better 
I am better at saying no. And I was for a long time, people would be like, can we meet for coffees? This is pre-COVID. And I used to go, yes, absolutely. I'll always meet up with everyone. And then I was like, wow, I'm just spending all day in a freaking coffee shop. So then I just started saying, meet me at the climbing wall and we'll climb together. <laughs> if you want to meet me, you can meet me there. And we can talk then and at least I can exercise and we can have the chat. So I never said no, but I put my boundaries on it in a way that would work for me. And that kind of dramatically dropped by 70% people then wouldn't show up, which was, okay, well, fine. You clearly don't want to talk badly enough. So that's the way I did it. Yeah, so I think I've had something similar. Like I had a lot of um, people wanting to find out about YTT and and they'd say, Would you, can you meet for a coffee? And I'd be like, come to one of my classes and then we can chat and, and walk to the tube afterwards and we'll have a little chat. Because as you say, it can be like numerous people and you just feel like you can't even see your family and friends, let alone these yeah, people exactly. you don't know. And you, I wasn't getting any work done. I was yeah. just sitting in coffee shops chatting yeah. to people. And because also it's, it takes a lot of energy as well. Like the, as much as like I, I want to give out and be generous with my time, but when people are just asking you questions and they're there for, to, to get your knowledge, it does take a lot of energy from you. Yeah, it does. I don't mind that. I'm I'm a high energy person. I have a lot to give. Um, it was more just the time. The time was the time was difficult for me because running your own business is incredibly all encompassing. There's so much. There's so much involved in it, and so yeah, just having enough time to make sure I exercise every day. I see my friends and my family. And I run my business, you know, that is the, that's the difficult balance to strike. And and I'm not trying to say I, I did get the balance right. And I don't believe you can, if you want, I think if you really want a truly successful business, you have to make huge sacrifices. Um, you know, people who are like, oh, you know, we need to take it easy and look after ourselves and we can have success. Maybe that's going back to my limiting belief again. I realize that I'm kind of contradicting myself a little bit, but I think you do have to make some sacrifices along the way. I think you do a little bit here and there. I, th- I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I have growth to do in that area and I have to be, I have to reevaluate that. But what I'm looking at from the outside, I could say the truly successful people, they, they graft. Yeah. Yeah. And also once you reach a certain point, cause I heard you on another podcast say that you really feel like you're in a space you'd wanted to be f- for so long. And once you reach a certain point you can have more boundaries and you can have more space for you but as you True. said it just does take take time you have to do that you have to prove yourself to to people that you are that expert that teacher etc etc can you yeah. actually talk a little bit about being at that place of, of feeling really content uh yeah I want to say I'm really there but yesterday I had a wobble Belinda came to my rescue <laughs> I was like oh I just don't know if I'm being effective I don't know if I could be where I should be you know in terms of my success and and she was like girlfriend uh-uh. <laughs> she she was the voice of reason so again it's a journey guys you're never there fully you have to realize that it's okay to have doubts um, and you just have to keep going. This is the important thing. I think actually a little tool, I don't know if I'm digressing from the question, so we can always come back, but a, a little tool that I constantly do, and sometimes it actually chokes me up a bit, but I constantly think the question is what I'm doing and what I'm dedicating time into, is it actually effective? Because it's easy to get kind of down the rabbit hole of what you think is good and you're like oh I'm teaching these classes and I'm doing these workshops but is it actually effective where are you actually going why are you pointing your rudder in this direction is that where you want to end up so yeah I think it's important to constantly come back to that reevaluation phase Um, surround yourself with good people like I had Belinda coming to my rescue and just saying all the right things to make me feel amazing this conversation with you absolutely doing the same thing for me so honestly your support has always been a bit shocking whenever you say things like I'm your mentor I'm like wow (laughs) really (laughs) I feel like that that one when you you um you were speaking to another friend of ours, Lou, after a class, I think because we didn't know each other that well. And Lou was saying how I was teaching like 24 classes a week. And then you got in touch with me on Instagram and you were like, we need to have a chat. And so we met before one of your, your classes and you were like, 
Soph, what, what is it that you want to do? Why are you teaching 24 classes a week? And you just gave me this massive reality check. And you said to me, like, I would love to see you teaching 10 classes. And I was like, what? How do I do that? But it was such a... It, honestly, that conversation changed my whole course of of why, why I was doing what I was doing. Again, that thing of, like, am I actually being effective by teaching 24 cl- classes and feeling totally burnt out? Yeah. And, yeah, so that, to me, that conversation was just so... So, yeah, I do feel like you're, you've been a big mentor to me. <laughs> oh, so if you're so cute. Because I just thought we were mates, and I was like, oh, no, she's not... She, I wish someone told me this. I just need to tell her this real quick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're more mates, but, you know, I do I do think you, um, yeah. I feel like, you, in a way, you do that for a lot of um, yoga teachers that come your way. You know, you give... Well, I just think I never had much of that. I never had someone sit me down and go, what are you doing? Why are you doing it this way? And I so long for it still today. I mean, just yesterday, I really sat on my living room carpet and I was like, huh, am I doing it the right way? And who can I turn to to really you know, bounce off of. Um, and I made like a little list and I texted uh, uh, an amazing person. Actually, we run mentorship programs together, Danny Pomploon. I texted him and I was like, can we have a chat sometime? And he was like, absolutely. I'll call you tomorrow at 8am my time. <laughs> and I was like, oh, cool. So yeah, um, yeah, it's really nice. <laughs> and I think just looping back to the, the um, you being in a place feeling content. Firstly, I love that you again have been like really honest about the fact that that is like a journey stuff is going to go up and down but I think the the uh, what I understood from I think it was your podcast with the hustlers that um being in a place where you have more freedom in terms of being able to teach online and give this offering online and and what this um you know pandemic has actually offered you and and so I think that's more of how how I heard it on that podcast no, absolutely. Sorry, Sophie, I went off on a tangent there. So thank you for looping us back. Very good interviewer, because that's the skills. <laughs> when someone like me that goes off, bring yeah, bringing me back, I need that. Um, so basically, yes, I'm super happy about the fact that the pandemic came along. It shifted me more online. It's what I always wanted. And that has been an amazing growth experience. It's also opened the opportunity for me not to be teaching so much, but don't be fooled. I'm working long hours. I am doing a lot. Where it has been quite positive is now I have an additional bit of revenue where I can actually pay for a PT. So I'm exercising a lot more consistently. I have the ability to take my evenings off and watch something on Netflix. I never had this luxury before. So in that sense, Yes, there's a lot more balance. I can take a Sunday off and go see my family. Like, there is a lot more balance in that sense. But don't be fooled. I am still working disgustingly hard behind the scenes. And even just though I'm teaching one class a week, it takes a lot to put out Instagram content. Please, if you do come across content you like, guys, give that, give a comment. Just give a little comment or a little share or something. Because to create the content that we're putting out there for free is hours and hours of work. And often we're not getting anything back for that. So, you know, you'll always see me plug something at the end of all the free stuff I give away because I have to. It's not because, you know, I've got to pay a mortgage and I have to buy food every week. So, yeah, just be kind when you are consuming information online. Please remember how much work it has taken to produce that. And you don't have to buy what the person's offering, but at the very least, offer them some positive energy through either a little like or a comment. If you could stretch yourself to a comment or a share, I know a share is a big one, but um, please do engage with people's content because it does take a lot to put that stuff out there for free for you guys. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> so like, I can yeah. Say, yeah it, re- Amen. it really does. <laughs> I'm like in the middle of editing like three videos and then I've got to put the sound to it and the subtitles. Oh, and I was messaging you the other day being like, What's the subtitle app that you use? And yeah, it takes a lot. Content takes a lot. lot. Okay, so So, yeah. Sorry, Soph, I was just going to say. So yeah, just, you know, share the love. Whatever love you've got, give it. (laughs) Totally. Um, So I suppose just kind of wrapping it up. um, 
what is coming up for you this year work-wise and what are you trying to bring more of into your life out of the workspace so work-wise is intense because I'm busy putting the references into the book Adele and I have written, which is for hypermobile people. It's called Too Flexible to Feel Good. It's available now for pre-order. If you guys did want to get the cheapest rate possible would be to pre-order. Um, so go on Amazon now. Too Flexible to Feel Good is the title of the book. And it is great for yoga teachers if you're going to be working with hypermobile people, learning how to support them. There's a lot of biomechanics in there that's useful for anyone anyway. Somebody putting all the references references into that now and that's taking oh so much time and so much love and work so that is a big one the book will be coming out in March so there's a lot to do before that release date um and Adele and I are going to be recording our first 50-hour teacher training as well. And we're excited to release that this year as well. A lot of people write to me every day asking for that. So I'm excited about getting that out into the world. A little baby program on the side that we've created. Again, a bit of cultural appropriation for you. But my Indian friend who is a big meditation teacher, he wrote to me going, I absolutely love that you've done this. So he gave me a bit more confidence um, in releasing it is Shapes with Weights. It's a little yoga program, but we've got kettlebells and we're moving with resistance, which I believe can really help hypermobile people and non-hypermobile people alike. We need load on our muscles and our joints and to do it un under the un in on the mat, not to have a lot of gym equipment, I think is so fantastic. And to move with your breath, lots of boxes being checked there. And um, beyond that, out of outside of work, I really want to get out of England as soon as the world opens up and travel, 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 because we've obviously been grounded for so long. And I absolutely love living here, but I am so sick of it right now. Just want to get out and I want to see the sun and put my feet on the sand and go and eat in a restaurant. And I want to rub myself up against all the strangers and I want to lick the door handles. That is what I want for my life right now. <laughs> Well, I can actually totally see you doing that as well. <laughs> uh, oh, you got to come to Bali then. I am 100% there. The thing that saddens me every time I go to Bali is the pollution. Hey, it kills me. I love Bali. It's the, Indonesia is the best country I've ever been to ever. It ticks all the boxes. I absolutely adore it. But my heart physically breaks. I'm in pain seeing the level of pollution and the lack of care the government takes in looking after that country just astounds me. Yeah, the the I don't know if you saw because it actually made the UK news. The plastic on the beaches um, around Christmas time. It was really sad. There's um I interviewed um, on here a guy who has been doing a lot of work around that, and I know. Because you meet so many interesting people out here. I know quite a few people who are really working to change things. And they are, they're starting to change um, government rules, like plastic bags have been banned. Um, and these are also young, young kids doing this. So it's starting a wave, which is really, really cool to see. And I go and do um, river cleanups um, when I can, especially in the, the rainy season. The rivers just get so overflown with rubbish and then the idea is to stop it you stop it at the river and then it stops it going into the sea but yeah it's sad and it's it's got to start with education I mean I could go on about it but yeah there's there's yeah. a lot of people I actually want to more people I want to bring on to the podcast to start talking about that because it's a it's become a really really apparent to me here living here so yeah 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 and every time I go there I just oh it just saddens me oh and, and to be honest, it kind of steals the joy of being in a tropical place a lot for me. I'm there and I'm like, I'm having a good time, but I'm just also so aware of the mess. And I, and I just think, what are we doing? What are we doing as a population on this beautiful planet? Ugh, we're so focused on such bullshit like the news. And I'm not saying COVID is not good stuff to focus on. I realize how important that is, but more like politics and just stupid stuff and you're like oh yeah but politics is the thing that's going to change they're not going to change anything they don't care you know as long as something lines their pocket they're going to be you know fully fully involved with that first so don't fool yourself politics as dan always says poly meaning many ticks blood sucking <laughs> insects yeah just it annoys me how people are so distracted by sh stupid things that don't matter 
And, you know, in the meantime, we're letting this incredible diversity just slip through our fingers. It's just the hugest shame. Oh, no, it is, it is super sad. But I have to say, um, meeting these, like, young people who are really, really trying to change stuff out here and work really closely with the locals as well, that's, you know, it's... Uh, you can get really sad about it or you can be like, right, Come on. this is awesome. Yeah. These Glimmer people are hope. really, yeah. And then, and then also try and jump on and help them as well. You know, yeah. it's very easy to just go and join a river cleanup and, and, um, open your eyes and, and try and do something. And then as make part change. Of a community. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're absolutely right, Sophie. And kudos to you for, for bringing awareness to that and actually joining in. Well done. Thanks, Sal. Oh, it's so great to see you and to chat, and I so appreciate you coming on. I was like, I'm a bit nervous to ask Sally if she will come on my podcast. <laughs> and we did it. We did it, babe. It's been amazing. So, yeah, thank you. And, Sophie, you actually running a mentorship program, right? Yeah. I'm running um, – I'm, I'm starting – because I did one last year over the summer – and I wanted to work out a way of how I was going to do it this year. And I'm starting an academy, which is going to start in February. And it's going to be weekly calls. And it's going to be a membership so you can dip in, dip out. Um, and I want to make it really accessible because, you know, new, newer yoga teachers, they don't necessarily have... They're not strapped with cash. So I want to yeah. make it really accessible and to make it the, a huge part of it is going to focus, A, on community, because I think that's so important, having people supporting you in the same situation as you. And B, about things like, um, you know, not necessarily about the anatomy and the biomechanics and the sequencing, et cetera, et cetera, but actually about building confidence and building self-worth mm -hmm. and talking about imposter syndrome and, all of that, which until we start building that up in these newer yoga totally. teachers in a very scary industry, in a very saturated in industry, it's hard to move forward. So what I learned from my last mentorship program was that that is what we needed to work on the most. And I really hope by building a community of people all around the world, that's my, my dream, um, will really start to get people feeling like they can make a big um, impact in what they're doing. So, yeah, I'm really excited about that. Congratulations. Yay, well done. That's amazing. I'll, have to, I'll get you on because we're going to do um, every month I'm going to get a different expert to come and talk about something. So we'll have a little chat and try and get you on to, oh, to chat to people. I will be there with bells on. I can't wait. Oh, yay. Well, thanks so much, Sal. No worries, so Thank you, too. Thank you so much for listening. For more inspirational tips, please head to www.sophiedeer.com and sign up for my weekly wellness letter.